Hello and welcome to this special episode of Middle East Matters focused on Yemen. This month marks nine years of conflict there. And coming up, we'll head to Marib to meet just a few of the millions of Yemenis displaced by the fighting. We'll look at hopes of a meaningful ceasefire and we'll also report on Yemen's cultural heritage at risk. Now it is sometimes called a forgotten war. Fighting in Yemen has killed hundreds of thousands. Hunger has claimed even more lives. Yet the complex conflict there between Saudi-led forces and Houthi rebels does not always make the headlines. This month, nine years after Houthis attacked the capital Sana'a, triggering Saudi Arabia's intervention, the country isn't in the grips of all-out war. But it's not at peace either. Our first report takes us to Marib, an area under government control, homed to millions of displaced people. France 24 reporters gained access to film there and they met civilians who have escaped the fighting but are still struggling to survive. Tents and rocks, their only refuge. The Sueda camp on the outskirts of Marib currently shelters 90,000 Yemenis. In summer, the temperature can reach above 50 degrees. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum Allah. A retired soldier, Ali arrived here seven years ago. A UN program allows him to earn a bit of money, around 120 to 150 dollars for two weeks' work. This project only lasts for four months. It's not permanent. How do I feed my children? Any money I earn, I use to pay off my debts. There's no regular salary. My children go to work every day selling water. With that money, we buy yogurt. Only God knows our situation. Ali now lives in this tent with his wife and six children. Living under Houthi control is impossible. I never thought I would become displaced one day. We used to think we were safe on our land, in our homes. We're tired of this situation. We just want to go back home. A few hundred metres away is the camp's only hospital, which also serves as a maternity ward. We live here in extreme heat, under the sun and in the dust. The children also carry trauma. They wet the bed due to the living conditions in the camp or the effects of the war. Many suffer from malnutrition. Some children are born weighing only one kilogram or one and a half kilograms. Ongoing needs for displaced people who've become a semi-permanent fixture in Marib. As long as the civil war continues, they won't leave. Some are even managing to grow their businesses. Displaced from Sana'a, Muhammad imports fabric from India to sell to the city's wealthier residents. The wars affected transportation. Now we struggle to find it. If I have a container in Aden that I need to bring to Marib, it costs me a fortune. For example, a container that costs $30,000, you have to pay an additional $10,000 to get it here. It's badly affecting us. These high prices are due to internal transportation. In the past, there were no checkpoints. We just paid import taxes. After nine years of war, Yemen is a devastated country. 
While peace negotiations are currently taking place in Saudi Arabia, two-thirds of the population is facing a humanitarian emergency. Addressing it will require $4.3 billion, according to the UN. Less than a third of that amount has been raised so far. Our team there reporting from Marib. Well, to talk a bit then about prospects for a meaningful peace in Yemen, the researcher Asha Okabi joins me on the line now. He's the author of Yemen, What Everyone Needs to Know. Thanks very much indeed for talking to us today here on France 24. Can I ask you, first of all, what the latest is on Saudi Houthi negotiations and just how far away you think the country is from a substantive ceasefire? Before negotiations can actually produce results, uh, there needs to be a consensus amongst the opposition parties, those opposing the Houthis. Uh, a presidential council that was formed last year by Saudi Arabia needs to actually get legitimacy on the ground in Yemen before a ceasefire can actually be launched uh, and political negotiations can be made with the Houthi opposition parties. So probably quite a long way off then, would you say? Uh, I would not be surprised if before the end of 2023, there was already a political negotiation on the table for a lasting resolution to this conflict in Yemen. And how much of that is to do with the fact that Saudi Arabia and Iran are now talking to each other? That may be part of the calculation because Iran is certainly one of the largest supporters and most significant supporters of the Houthis alongside Lebanese Hezbollah. Uh, but in the same sense, uh, it looks like Saudi Arabia is uh, close to achieving its goals of uh, the entire political intervention in uh, Yemen and therefore is looking for a resolution in order to have a more permanent uh, resolution, a more permanent political solution in Yemen. And the political situation is rather complicated. There are separatists, for one, in the south of Yemen that want to break away. And despite these Saudi efforts, the Houthis still control a large chunk of Yemen. Um, I wonder whether you think that in order for peace to be established, Yemen will have to fracture as a nation state or whether you think the country can survive in the way it is today. Well, it's important to recognize that Yemen prior to 1990 was not the Yemen geographically of today. Uh, the unification of Yemen in 1990 was not a reunification, but rather the creation of a Yemeni state. Uh, that was a flawed state, uh, already suffered a civil war in 1994. This is the second civil war suffered by the unified Yemeni country of North and South. So therefore, fractured state would not necessarily be uh, an unexpected result. At the same time, what is more likely to emerge is a federalist state one with a loosely controlled central government and uh, several decentralized states uh, or decentralized provinces around uh, the country, at least three of them. And in the meantime, where does this all leave Yemeni civilians, about 80% of whom do rely on humanitarian aid to survive? The United Nations says it's short of billions of dollars to fund its aid programs in Yemen. Why is it so hard to drum up funds for the country? To be honest, the humanitarian aid that has been invested into Yemen over the past nine years has only perpetuated this humanitarian crisis. The more money that's poured into Yemen, the more dependent that Yemenis uh, become upon foreign aid. Uh, Yemeni farmers have been harmed by the dumping of food upon the country, and the humanitarian aid cycle has only disincentivized 
the peaceful resolution of this conflict. So actually the lowering international humanitarian aid or using it more judiciously may actually bring a faster resolution to this conflict and will allow Yemenis to escape this really deleterious cycle of aid dependency in the country. Just finally, I described Yemen at the top of the program as being a forgotten conflict. I wonder whether you agree with that characterization and why you think it is that, relatively speaking, it receives so little attention on the world stage. That's probably uh, because the world stage is focused on other conflicts outside of Yemen and Ukraine and elsewhere. Uh, but 29 million Yemenis have not forgotten every day of this conflict. Uh, my, my own family, my friends who are in Yemen, uh, certainly have not forgotten. Uh, the reason that it does not receive that amount of focus is likely because there's no major Yemeni refugee crisis like in Syria. Uh, the Yemenis, have, uh, for the most part, uh, have remained internally displaced, so therefore not uh, triggering international crises uh, in terms of migration. Uh, and secondly, because the Saudis have, have gone uh, to great efforts in order to control media as have the Houthis to control the messaging leaving the country. So there's not free expression coming from within Yemen itself. Uh, and therefore, the messaging uh, is controlled in a hegemonic way by both Saudi Arabia and the Houthis, limiting the amount of international attention given to the country itself. Asha Okorbi talking to us there. He's the author of Yemen, What Everybody Needs to Know. Thank you very much indeed, sir, for your time today. You're welcome. Well, we end the programme where we started, in Marib. In January of this year, UNESCO designated ancient landmarks their World Heritage Sites. In pre-Islamic times, they were known as Saba or Sheba. But amid the conflict, could the temple of the famous Queen of Sheba now be under threat? Our correspondents there have this report. These remains are nearly 3,000 years old. The temple of Bilkis, the Arabic name for the legendary Queen of Sheba, was once the political centre of a kingdom that stretched from Ethiopia to the eastern part of present-day Yemen. Today, displaced people from the eight-year-long civil war come to visit this historic site. For us, Marib is a refuge, like a mother who protects us all. Here we've found safety and security, and it's a blessing. Thanks to God, we can relax. In this war-torn country, it's the Bedouins who guard this ancient temple. This place is extremely important because it's an ancient historical site. It represents our ancient civilization, that of the Kingdom of Sheba, and we're very proud of it. There are lots of these sites in Yemen, but there's no money to preserve them. Two kilometers away, Another similar temple. Both were listed as UNESCO World Heritage Sites back in January. And although the Houthi rebels who reject Yemen's pre-Islamic heritage are only a few kilometers away from Marib, the custodian of these sites remains defiant. Whether it's the Houthis or whoever else, we won't let anyone destroy our heritage. They will remain, whatever the circumstances. We will protect them with our lives, down to the last stone. For millennia, this unique site has survived war after war. In Marib, they're hoping this one will be the last. And that's it for Middle East Matters this week and our special focus on Yemen. The show's back at the same time next week. Thank you for watching.
día siempre. Me gusta Francia 24 horas porque nos enteramos de las noticias de Europa, de América Latina y de todos lados. Nos gusta mucho la cultura francesa. The world is ever changing. The news doesn't wait. That's why at France 24, we'll always be there to help make sense of world events. For the best international coverage, 24 hours a day, no matter what, France 24 is with you everywhere, all the time. Liberté, égalité, actualité.